Well, today we enter the last week of what used to be called 40 Days of Purpose, and it certainly still is. And, and I, I continue to lift this book uh, as a really wonderful tool in your life to help you answer and better answer the question, what on earth am I here for? Uh, and uh, people all over the world are, have answered, asked that question, and people all over the world have found answers. Uh, and so uh, if, you, if you haven't even begun this, and you think, well, it's too late for me, it's the last week, this is a personal daily devotional that you can begin at any time. You could begin it today, tomorrow, and it would be revolutionary in your life. You say, well, Pastor, I'll just read the Bible. Uh, I get that. I understand that. That sounds noble, but there's a lot of people, uh, including myself, who have written things that are worthy to be read. Uh, if that weren't, weren't the case, there wouldn't be the Internet. Some of that's not worthy to be read, but understand. Uh, and so there's a lot of great tools out there. In fact, in this book alone, there's over 3,000 references to Scripture, uh, and so it helps you, it'll help us, and I encourage you uh, to, to just continue on. And this week as a church family, uh, we, we, we begin the, really the last week uh, as we look to the fifth purpose, uh, and then uh, uh, as we finish up the fifth purpose, then it's Thanksgiving. So uh, let's jump in today, everybody, and say, I'm ready, Pastor Sam. Amen. Turn to the book of Acts. We're going to kind of jump there and use that as our kind of our springboard in just a moment. But let me tell you our five purposes that we've gone through, that we've read through, that we've prayed about, we've taught about. In fact, Wednesday night, we'll be back here on Wednesday night listening to a short message from Rick Warren, the author of What on Earth Am I Here For? And I'm telling you, he just says it just so clearly. And then we'll break up into our growth groups uh, and and study together and share together, just like we did this morning with our Sunday circles. And and uh, let me, everybody punch the pause button. Let me just tell you what we're in the process of doing. We're, pr- we're in the process of changing the culture of our church, which is rather challenging. How many of you know when you get a habit going and a methodology going, that it's hard to change direction uh, and, and keep everybody on board. Let me tell you what we're doing. We're endeavoring uh, to change the culture. And here's where we're, wa- we're wanting to move from just a, a you know, a, a, a crowd to a core mentality. We're, we're just not a part. We don't want you just feel like you're a part of the crowd. We want you to feel like you're a part of the core. And that is relationship and ministry. And, and so, especially in 2017, you're gonna, you're gonna begin to see just like our, our Sunday circles and our growth groups and, and our home groups. We had home groups last Wednesday night and we had two adults and one youth. And I'm telling you, uh, I don't know about you, but Beverly and I, we had a great time uh, hosting our home group and Jim and Trish had a great time hosting their home group. You'll see more of that in 2016. Uh, we're changing the culture. Uh, and so, uh, we believe, uh, relationships aren't built uh, in, in rows, they're built in circles, uh, standing around or, or sitting around, sharing with one another and building relationships. So come along. Hey, you're going, you, you have a great opportunity to plug up, get involved and be a part 
of the family of faith in a whole new way in the days ahead. So that's where we're headed. We'll talk more about it later. Uh, but let's jump back in. Uh, we're, we've been, we've been talking about it. We've been praying about it. We've been discussing. We've been preaching. Here are the five purposes, uh, that we, we have and we'll, uh, finish up on tonight. Number one, we learned that you're planned for God's pleasure. You were created to worship God. We're natural born worshipers. We just choose who we worship. Amen. And God wants us to be pleasing to him. And we learned that worship is not just the song service. Worship is not just, you know, uh, spending a little time in the presence of the Lord. That is worship. Worship is a way of life. We, we worship really, I melted it down into two ways, uh, with our words and with our ways. And when our ways please the Lord, it'll naturally come out of our words and, and that will bring him great glory and honor. Number two, we learned that we're formed or fashioned for God's family. That's called fellowship where we connect with one another. That's what I was speaking of just a few moments ago. And, and, uh, we need one another more than more now than ever. Look at your neighbor and say, you did know we're better together. Amen. I, I know that neighbor may be a ways away, but look, fine. You, we're, we are better together. Eugene, we're better together, aren't we? You figure that out. We're better together. Uh, and, and that's called fellowship where we connect with other believers. Number three, we learned that we're created to become like Christ, that we sin entered the world and polluted our, our image and our, and who we are. And Jesus came to begin to put us on the road called discipleship, the road of spiritual growth, uh, to become more like him. And so, you know, Jesus didn't say go into all the world and make believers. Uh, he said, make disciples. That's genuine followers of Christ. And let me just say, if you say you believe in him and that he is the Lord and the leader of your life, on some level, you will be endeavoring to follow him. It's not that you'll have it all figured out, but you'll endeavor. You'll be convicted by your way of life and you'll desire to follow him and become more like him. Uh, you see, just because you said a prayer does not make you a believer. But if you follow him, that makes you a believer. You trust him and follow after him. Uh, and that's called discipleship. Uh, and then last Sunday, we learned the once again that we're shaped for serving God. That's our, that's called service and ministry. We learned that all of us have a ministry. We think of the minister. You say, well, you know, my, uh, in fact, I've got some of my, some, and that's just the way we grew up. Some people call me, he's the preacher. Uh, that, you know, like a title, he's the preacher or the pastor. I get that, understand that. Or he's the minister. No, well, I get that, understand that. But let me just tell you, we're all the minister. We all have a responsibility to minister, and we realize that's our contribution of our life into the church family. And then today we're going to conclude, and this week we're going to finish up with the fact that you were made for a mission. That's called evangelism. You see, you have a great opportunity today. I'm, I don't know where my little card went. Everybody pick up your Thanksgiving card and wave it. You have a great opportunity. Uh, it's in the bulletin too, by the way. There it is. To, to begin to fulfill the responsibility and the calling and the, and, and, and your created purpose by beginning to evangelize the, the, the world that God has placed you in. You see, God made you both with a ministry in your church and a mission in the world. You see, some people think, well, my ministry is the church and the evangelist ministry is in the world. Well, the evangelist ministry is really in the church to create and, and impart to you the, the mindset and the understanding that you, in fact, are an evangelist. 
Ephesians chapter 4 says the evangelist's purpose is to equip the saints for the work of evangelism. If you're with me, say, I know that's right, Pastor. And so today I want you, I want to dethrone any kind of thought you might have right now as we begin that, that, well, evangelism, it's not my gift. It's not my grace. And and let me just say, I'm not the greatest evangelist on the planet. There is the gift of an evangelist. We've had them in. I don't know if you remember Scott Camp. He's a fireball evangelist and, and people in our church today because of his ministry, uh, 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 and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. But just because we are not holding the office of the evangelist doesn't mean we are not all supposed to evangelize. If you're still with me, say, I know that's right, pastor. And so God made us with a ministry and he also made us with a mission in the world. You see, your ministry is service in the church to other believers. Your mission is your service to the world or to unbelievers. You see, you have a ministry and you have a mission. Everyone say, I have a ministry. Or I'm supposed to have a ministry, but you also should have a mission. That's your service to unbelievers in the world. Some people look at unbelievers like they're the devil. How many of you know they can't help it? They're just lost. We look at the world and we go, whoo. How many of you know we need to love the world? We're in the world, but not of the world. And the world is our mission field. And we have a responsibility to the world. Are you with me? Say amen. Jesus, before he left planet earth, when he was about to go to the cross and John 17, and I would encourage you to read John 17 because it's Jesus, one of his, well, it's one of his biggest recorded prayers, longest recorded prayers that he prayed in scripture, but he was praying for us. He was praying for the church before he went to Calvary. He began to pray for us and he began to talk to the father and he began to get some things straight and he prayed for us. And in John 17, 18, he said this to, to, to God, as you sent me into the world, even so send I them. How many of you know Jesus, when he came to the world, he was sent. God sent him. In fact, Was it Bill Gaither? God sent his son. They called him Jesus. I think that's because he lives. That's a verse. God was sent to planet earth. He was sent here to pay the price. So you and I could come back and fellowship the price of his blood on Calvary's cross. And he was about to pay that price. He was about to fulfill the mission that God had sent him the, uh, to planet earth to, to accomplish. And he says to God, as you sent me, even so send I them. That's you and me. Everyone say, that's you and me. So, in fact, the word mission... Uh, in, in its original form, it's not, it's not, uh, in, in the Greek, but its original form has the mindset of one who is sent. You get it by the word missionary. Those who are sent. We all have a mission. We are all missionaries and we all have been sent by God. In fact, Jesus knew this at a young age about his life. And if you remember when they traveled into town to pay taxes and do their thing, that everybody, there was a big, you know, gathering of people going in and out of town and, you know, uh, not to point the finger towards uh, uh, Mary and Joseph, but they got a day's, was it two days? It was a day journey out of town, <laughs> maybe two, I don't know. And finally, somebody said, anybody seen Jesus? <laughs> 
I guess you trusted family a lot. Oh, he's probably with Uncle Ted or somebody like that. But they got out of town. <laughs> Tell me that's funny. Can, we think of Mary, you know, Mary going, Jesus! Okay, really? Where's Stacy? Stacy and Brent lost Ty at, at uh, Universal Studios for about three minutes, right? Four minutes. Pardon me, it's about an hour and a half in your mind, right? Seven or eight minutes. And, and Brent, I'm sure she was cool and collected, right? He never ran that fast before. You got to put yourself in this. And Jesus was, and they headed back into town and they found him in the temple and he's, and he's discussing the things of the kingdom with the scribes and, uh, and the religious people of the day. And he said this in Luke 2.49. He said, well, didn't you know? <laughs> Mama, didn't you know? But calm down, Mom. Dad, calm down. Didn't you know I must be about my father's business? And as Barack said the other day, business. We got to be about our father's business. That's the, hey, and so as he was sent, even so we are sent. We have a mission, and that mission is God's divine mandate for every believer. You and I need to embrace it. If we miss this, we miss it all. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter how good our fellowship is. It doesn't matter how good we minister to one another in the church together. It doesn't matter how good we have a worship service or how much we say we know about God. If we miss this, we miss it all because this is the apex of responsibility for the church. In fact. Jesus said it this way. He gave us the great mandate, the great commission. And if you go to Matthew 28, 19 and 20, that's the one we read all the time where our quote, where he said, go into all the world. This is just before he went to heaven and, and, and he said, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Somebody say all the world. Somebody say all nations. Go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father. Let me stop right there. You can't baptize somebody who hadn't been born again. So what's the, what's the understanding here from all that Jesus said in the Gospels? Go out, get them born again, get them baptized. And then begin to make disciples of them, genuine followers of Jesus Christ. There's some people believe that you just think about discipleship. Well, no, you, you, you can't baptize them until they're born again. You got to get them born again, and then you get them baptized, and then you begin to make disciples. We talked about that, and that's the Great Commission. It's the mandate for each and every one of us. We all have a responsibility, not just to sit soaking sour or to take our place in the pew. We don't have pews, but to take our place even in service in the church and not be concerned about a, a lost world. We all have a mission in the world. In fact, this, this great commission is recorded in different ways in the Gospels, uh, uh, five different and unique ways. How many of you know Jesus is trying to get across a point? Because if we miss this, we miss it all, that we're made for a mission. And so I can't underscore that enough. With that in mind this morning, 
I want to encourage you today. I'm going to give you some tools for the task. Let me, let me look around here. Uh, do we have any trade people that are in the trades, you know, construction trade tools that you, you actually have physical tools and things you use on your work site, whether it's a computer, got tools. Okay. Anybody else, uh, you know, Jim, you had tools, you got tools around. Jim's a craftsman, by the way. Uh, and, and he, he's got all kinds of tools. Any of you do anything around the house that requires tools? Okay. I don't know about you, but my phone will not, uh, clean the house. Uh, and so there's tools we all need tools for the task. Have you ever tried to do something without the proper tools? Aren't you excited when you find the right tool and you go, I mean, it's just like, wow, I've been, I've been bumping my head against the wall. Who was the genius that invented this tool? This is amazing. It's wonderful to have the right tools for the task. We all need the right tools. And so I want to give you some tools for the task of evangelizing your world for Christ that all of us need in our life. We need in our spiritual tool chest in order to fulfill the mission that God has for us, the right tools for the task. Have you got it? Are you with me? If you're with me, look at me and wave your hand and say, I'm with you, pastor. I'm with you. Here we go. By the way, that's very good. How many of you are thirsty? Any thir- Jesus said, if you're thirsty, come to me and drink. You'll have to wait till I'm done. Tools for the task. Here we go. The first one is this. The fundamentals of the faith. You got to have the fundamentals. You can't do something. You can't, you can't be an evangelist without having the fundamentals of the faith established in your life. In fact, if you're in Acts, are you in the book of Acts? If you're in the book of Acts, here's an interesting thing we see. Jesus, the resurrected Christ. Now, for three years, Jesus walked around planet Earth at the time, teaching and preaching in the synagogues and in the cities and in the villages, teaching fundamentals. But even the disciples weren't catching it real well. And until he rose from the dead, uh, in fact, the disciples just weren't getting it. And when he went to Calvary, they were distraught. They, they had missed it altogether and didn't understand the real message of the gospel. And until he rose from the dead, the light bulb did not really come on. So now Jesus has risen from the dead uh, and, and shown himself alive. In fact, just a little side note. Did you know when Jesus rose from the dead, Scripture says, I think it was 400 or 500 other people evidently close to him rose from the dead as well. Did you know that? How many of you didn't? No, I don't want to ask you if you didn't. I mean, I'm telling you, this was, wasn't isolated. This, uh, there were families all over that area. There were people. In fact, it doesn't say my divine imagination goes to work here. Maybe a little child, maybe an older, uh, somebody been dead for a hundred years. Can you imagine? Knock, knock. I'm back. I don't know how I just, that was happening all over the area. Jesus had risen from the dead and we find him in Acts chapter one. It says this in verse Oh, verse two, until the day, oh, I'll start it. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of that, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up after he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. So Luke is said, Luke wrote uh, Acts. He's saying, you know, uh, 
here's what I'm endeavoring to do, to give an account of all that Jesus did, all that he taught, everything that he said. And he goes on to say, verse 2, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Jesus, the resurrected Christ, for 40 days uh, spent time with the, 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 the soon-to-be first-century church, really establishing within them the fundamentals. I would have loved to have been in that seminar where the resurrected Christ is making sure They've got the message right and got the fundamentals down. Let me give you four quick. In fact, well, before I do that, let me just show you this verse. So let me give you a little history. And he said, go, don't wait. He said, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll receive power. And you know, chapter two of Acts, the Holy Spirit is poured out and Peter gets up and preaches. The church is born and thousands of people are being born again. I'm telling you, those were exciting times. And let me show you what they were busy doing in the midst of this, this beginning of the church. Look in Acts chapter two, verse 42. And they continued steadfastly. Somebody say continued steadfastly. They continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine. That means teaching and then fellowship and in the breaking of bread and prayers. But what was first on the priority list, you got to keep the fundamentals rolling. You got to keep the fundamentals going. And here we see, this is how it happened. Jesus gave the disciples the fundamentals of the faith while he was here on planet earth. He spent 40 days as the resurrected Christ prior to his transfiguration before them there in Acts chapter one. And he, he empowered them and he instilled within them the fundamentals. Everyone say the fundamentals. And in anything you do of consequence, you need the fundamentals. Those are the, those are the core things that one has to know. You know, Brent works out at Exxon. One of the fundamentals is be careful not to push the red button. I'm just thinking, I'm thinking that. That's just, everybody has a red button woo, 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 until you have to put, that's one of the fun, you better know that, right? Uh, we have nurses in the house. There's some fundamentals. Aren't you glad that the nurses have at least the fundamentals? Have you ever asked a nurse how long you work? Well, this is my first day. Oh, no, wait, we don't. Do you have the fundamentals? Here they are. I want to give you four. The first one is this, the faith. Faith is our foundation. That's a fundamental. You got to know this. You, you walk. How do we live our life by faith? We walk by faith and not by sight. And I'm going to just quickly show you some passages here just to help you understand what I'm saying about, about these fundamentals. Romans chapter five, verse one and two. Therefore, somebody say, therefore, therefore, having been justified by what? Faith. We are, we are transformed by our faith. And, and faith is, is a vital ingredient on how we are born again. Uh, uh, for by grace we are saved, Ephesians 2 says, by what? Faith. In fact, uh, it just all through scripture, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Jesus talked about building uh, our life on the on the Word of God in faith. We ha- it's the foundation of who we are. We have been justified. That it means just as if I'd never sinned by faith. In other words, you don't work your way into right relationship with God. It's by faith. Everyone say it's by faith. 
Listen, if we're going to be evangelists in the world, we've got to understand that everything we do, and, and you're born again by faith, by putting your trust. What does Romans 10, 8, 9 say? It says, if you want to be born again, you've got to confess Jesus as the Lord and believe, there it is, in your heart, that's faith, that God raised him from the dead. That's a fundamental of, of our life. And, and you've got to understand that if you're going to communicate that, you've got to know you're not born again by coming to church. You don't get born again by being good. You don't get born again uh, by, by obeying the rules. You are born again by faith. And that's not of yourselves, the Bible says. It's a gift of God. Amen. That's a fundamental. And I could, we could, you know, you could do a whole book series on that. Another fundamental is, is kind of faith's, uh, 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 best friend, and that's grace. Grace is the gateway to God. Listen, f- we have faith in Him, but faith alone, uh, has to be coupled with God's grace, His unmerited favor. In fact, we learned that Jesus is the door. The only way to get to heaven, get to God is through Jesus. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 that I kind of quoted a, a moment ago. For by grace, you are saved through faith. Grace is God's unmerited favor. That's a fundamental. In fact, you know, you remember, uh, uh, you know, Paul came up with this, this revolutionary thought by the Holy Spirit. We are justified by faith. And it's not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. And it's because of His grace, His unmerited favor. You, these are fundamentals that you and I have to understand and know in our life. Another fundamental is, of course, the gospel that is our message. You gotta, you gotta know the message. The gospel, the good news. I want to encourage you to get online and, and go to your Bible software and just, just Google gospel or, or not Google gospel, but get in your Bible software and just, just, just do the search in the New Testament on the gospel. Uh, Jesus went about preaching the gospel. It's the good news. Somebody say good news. So I, if you could throw that up there, the gospel is our message. And I want you to see it here because you've got to understand this. Uh, in fact, there's a lot of places that you could go to, but I want you to see 1 Corinthians 15 just for a moment. We're talking about the fundamentals, and you may say, Pastor, I already know the fundamentals, but uh, Peter said we need to go over and over and over the fundamentals. And so here's the gospel. Here's what Paul said. These are the fundamentals. These are the, the necessary tools. Uh, uh, the fundamentals that you and I need to know to be effective in our, our, our mission to bring people to Christ. Paul said this, moreover, brethren, I declare to you the what? Somebody say gospel, which I also preach to you, which also you received and in which you stand. I love that. He says, I'm going to tell you what I already told you. Did you get that? Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel, which I already told you about. I'm going to tell you about it again. Could I tell you about it again? Listen, there's never a bad time to rehearse and understand and, 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 and appropriate and, and, and dig into the message of the gospel. He said, this gospel, which I preached to you, which you also received and which you stand by which also you are, somebody say saved. You're never going to be saved without the gospel. And so this is the fundamentals, the gospel message. He says this, by which you also are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. 
For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received. You see, in other words, Paul had to receive it before he could give it. You got to get it before you can give it. Everybody say, you got to get it before you can give it. I delivered to you first of all that which I also received. That Christ, here it is, Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. That it was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scripture. And here it is, what I kind of shot at just a few moments ago. And that it was seen by Cephas, that's Peter, then by the twelve. And that it was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present. Uh, no, that's not the one. In other place it says other people were rose from the dead. But people saw the resurrected Christ. Here's the gospel message. He died for my sins on Calvary's cross. He was buried in a borrowed tomb. Three days later, he rose again so I could have new life. That's the message. That's how people are born again when they put their trust in that message. Are you with me? You have to trust the message. You have to believe the message enough to realize and what Paul said in Romans chapter one, it's the power of God and the salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. These are fundamentals. It's faith, it's grace, it's the message of the gospel. And then the method, the proclamation is our method. Uh, the, listen, all throughout the New Testament, there was proclamation. Let me walk you through it. If I don't hurry, we may not get out of here today, but let me try it. You gotta get the fundamentals down. Uh, in Matthew chapter four, look what it says in verse 23. It says this, and Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of disease among the people. He was a preacher of the gospel. And then you get over to Matthew 24. Let me dash over there really quick and just kind of affirm this for you this morning. Matthew 24, it says this concerning the preaching of the gospel. In verse 14, it says this, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached. Somebody say, will be preached. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. How many of you know Jesus held high the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ? And then as I quoted a moment ago, Romans 1, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Romans 10, I quoted it a few moments ago. If you confess Jesus as the Lord and leader of your life and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And then he said, how are they going to believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how are they going to hear without a preacher? What did Paul just say? Paul said, this is how it is done. We get the message on the inside and then we begin to share it with those who have yet to hear it or those who have yet to believe it. He said, how are they going to believe in him in whom they've not heard? And how are they going to hear without a preacher? How shall they preach unless they are sent? That's us. That's mission. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good news. Whoo! Somebody say, thank God for the fundamentals. That's part of, hey, if you don't get the fundamentals, you can't evangelize the world. It doesn't matter how much you smile and nod and love and care. 
You've got to have faith as the foundation of your life. You've got to embrace the grace of God that got you to heaven. You've got to embrace the message of the gospel. He died for my sin on Calvary's cross, paid for me. He was the sacrificial lamb. And through his shed blood, the Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And then he rose again. And as Paul said in Romans 6, we're buried with him through baptism unto death. And we also are raised to walk in newness of life. You've got to get the gospel message. And then you've got to begin to share the gospel with people. In fact, in January, we're going to begin discussing how to share the gospel in ways. In fact, if you're reading through this book, you're going to hear some great ways and insight this week and learn some great ways how to share your story and share his story, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. We got to share it. That's a fun, those are the fundamentals and there are probably more, but let me just finish up here today. Let me give you three more real quick. Tools for the task of evangelizing the world. Number two, it's the fire of the Holy Spirit. In fact, read Acts chapter one. He says, don't, he said, go to Jerusalem and don't leave until you got the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter two, the Holy Spirit comes upon them and there was, as it was, divided tongues of fire setting on their head. And once they began to be filled with the Holy Spirit, what were they able to do? In fact, it says this in, in Acts one eight. He said, when you've received the promise of the Father, you will receive power to be my witnesses. That's what we're talking about in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. He said, You're, if you need... Hey, don't get out on the mission field without the fire and the power of the Holy Spirit operating in your life. You need the fundamentals, but you also need the fire. And I want to tell you, if you don't know if you have the fire or not, you, then you probably don't. Because once you get the fire, you know. How many of you, when you get your hand in the fire, you know it's in the fire? Okay. And, and listen, when you get under the influence and the power and the flow of the Holy Spirit, you know it. There's no, uh, there's no question marks, you know. And when they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, they were filled with power and people began to see it. They began to proclaim it. Peter gets up, gets up and preaches the, the gospel message and people are born again. Thousands of people. And I believe this. Let me stop and, and just say this. I believe God wants to empower you so you can lead people to be born again. Are you with me? Say amen. The fire of the Holy Spirit. Number three, another tool for the task is not only the fundamentals of the faith and the fire of the Holy Spirit, but fervent love for God and others. I won't take the time to go there, but in Acts chapter 2, verse 44 through 47, though the word love is not mentioned, it's, they're loving God and they're loving one another, man. In fact, they just let go of their stuff. They just said, hey, we're all these these people from out of town here, and they don't want to leave. Hey, just what we have is like yours. It was common ground for everybody, and they began to love one another. They began to fellowship with one another. They began to uh, to just have uh, do life together. They love, were loving God and loving others, and the Bible says at the, at, at the close of chapter 2 that, the, that people were added to the church daily because of what was going on there in Acts in Jerusalem with the birthing of the church. In fact, did you know Jesus says this? Jesus said this uh, in John 13. He said, by this, they'll know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. And they saw this. People in Jerusalem saw it. They were under the influence of the Holy Spirit. They were loving God and loving one another. In fact, what did Jesus say in Matthew 22 about the responsibility of love? He gave them two great commandments. 
And he said, these two commandments, everything else hinges on these two. Love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. If we don't have love, listen, people don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. And let me just tell you one of the greatest inroads you and I will have into people's life. You know people who are lost. How many of you know people who are lost? You already said you know, people who, who, who are not born again. You start loving them. You start caring about them. You start talking to them. You start serving them. You start helping them. And their hearts will soften to who you are. And their hearts will soften because the Holy Spirit's in you. And the Holy Spirit will go to work on them. And that love of God. Listen, it's hard not to open up your heart to people who really love you. And if if we will begin to love the world and love the Lord and love our church family, the Bible says the church will begin to grow. They, they began, the Lord added to the church daily when the love of God was made manifest. You see, we need the fundamentals of the faith. We need the fire of the Holy Spirit and we must have fervent love for God and others. And finally today, one final tool for the task of evangelizing your world is a faithful focus on the fulfillment of the Great Commission. A faithful focus on the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Acts chapter 4, let me tell you the story. Uh, here it is. Acts chapter 4, uh, the church is exploding, but the religious order of the day were so d disturbed by it. They were losing control. They were losing ground. They were losing influence to this new church that was just exploding and bursting at the seams. And so they called their leaders in on the carpet, on the religious carpet. In Acts chapter 4 verse 17, it says this basically, so that it spreads no further. They could not imagine this gospel. They thought this is like a virus. This is like an outbreak. This thing's going viral. We've got to stop this gospel message and they threatened them. Let me just pause the button here just for a moment. Did you know that's exactly what's going on in the world today? Listen, anti-Christ, anti-God movement in the earth is not just trying to coexist with us. They're trying to hush our mouth. And I don't want to, I don't want to get too far off, but they cloak it in, in equal rights and all those kinds of things. But listen, there, there are communities among us. They're not just wanting to coexist with us. Uh, people who are living lifestyles that are, uh, that are not in harmony with the word of God. They're not just wanting to, to be co-equals with us and, and, you know, everybody live in harmony and give peace a chance. They're wanting to hush our mouth. Do you, you got to understand that? And when you begin to speak up with the truth of God and the word of God, uh, you get, you get, and so that was going on in the first century church. And what they did is they began to pray and they began to pray the power of God. They began to pray for the Holy Spirit of, and they said, Lord, uh, you know, grant thy, listen what they prayed. And let me tell you, oh, we, you know, we need to change the way we pray. They said this, Lord, uh, basically they said, you just keep doing what you're doing, healing sick people doing miracles and we'll keep doing what we're doing. And he, they said this, they said, Lord, grant that thy bond servants, that's a good way to think about it, that thy bond servants with all boldness might proclaim your word. And the Bible says the Holy Spirit fell upon them. And they're all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak the word of God with boldness. We've got to have a faithful focus on the fulfillment of the Great Commission. I read a passage in Matthew 24 that the gospel of the kingdom, 
will be preached in all the world. And then the end will come. So the church must have a faithful focus on the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Where's your focus today? Where's our focus? We've got to embrace the reality that we're made for a mission. That mission is more for heaven and less for hell. That's why we're here. And so today, as we begin this last week of discovering our purpose, I'm asking you to embrace this understanding of what on earth we're here for. Yes, we're here to please God and worship God, yes. He created us to be a blessing to Him. We're created as worshipers. We have the purpose of God to worship Him. You have the family of faith. We're fellowshippers. That's who we are. We're formed for God's family. We're created to become like Christ. We're shaped to serve God and serve one another. But we're molded and made. The reason all those other things are here for us is because we have a mission to fulfill. And most people, the reason they don't fulfill the mission is because they don't feel like they have the right equipment. They feel insecure and adequate. I'm reminded in Acts of one of the first people to get healed there. The religious people was trying to get a grip on it and they asked this man who had been healed, what happened? He said, I don't know what, hey, all I know now is once I was blind, but now I see, I'm telling you, uh, this is my testimony. Jesus touched me and healed me. He didn't have to go to Bible school. He didn't even have the fundamentals. So all of us have a message. So let's stand together today. We're going to pray that God would empower us, that the fundamentals would be instilled within us and the power of the Holy Spirit would come upon us. The faith of God would arise and the message of the gospel would begin to come forth. Lord Jesus, today we come together and we thank you, Lord, for empowering us and equipping us for the work of ministry, not only in the church, but for our mission in the world. And I pray today that each of us here this morning would take this mission responsibility seriously. And this week we would awaken to the responsibility and the requirement we have as believers to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Lord, there's people right here in Beaumont. There's people in Lumberton. There's people in Southeast Texas. There's people in the workplace. There's people in the, in the streets. There's people in, 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 in our workplaces and in the schools, Lord, who are lost and without Christ. Today, let us go from this place into the mission field with a fresh fervor to bring people to Christ. Lord, stir us. Change us, empower us, and equip us. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eye closed, let me just close with this thought.
you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ, you want to know for sure that Jesus died for you. Heard, you heard me talk about the gospel. And you know you've never been saved. Today I want to pray with you, pray for you, pray with you, lead you to Jesus. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm just not sure. I have a question mark about where I'm going to spend eternity. And I want to get that settled once and for all today. If that's you, wherever you are, just lift your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I will pray for you. Just lift your hand. Say, that's me, Pastor. I need to know for sure that Jesus Christ lives in my heart. Anyone here? As we close today, I want us to stop and ask God to give us people. Put people on our heart to share Christ with this week. I want us right now, everyone just say, Lord, put people in my path. Put people in my heart. Lord, give me a compassion for lost people today. Help me love people, Lord. Care enough about them to share the gospel. Bring them to us this week. I want everyone to pray this prayer. Bring them to us, Lord. Help us go to them and and bring them to us. Lord, give us divine opportunities. Uh, Come on, pray that. Lord, give me a divine opportunity to share the gospel this week with someone who's lost. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You're made with a mission. Turn around and tell somebody we've been made for a mission. We have. God bless you. I love you.